Well, Happy New Year to you. I was not here last week, so I wasn't able to greet you in that way, but Happy New Year. I was thinking as I was typing these notes up the other night, I was thinking, you know, today is January 14th. And um, that means that 14 days ago, you celebrated the beginning of 2018. And uh, this is something I don't normally do. I don't usually make a New Year's resolution. Um, how many of you have made New Year's resolutions? I'm going to do this or that this year, different than I did last year, and blah, blah, blah. I, I quit doing that because I figured a, a New Year's resolution should have a plan to it. And just to re make a resolution and I have resolved what I'm going to do to accomplish it does not make sense to me. And so I quit doing it. But I also, uh, but I did say some stuff to myself, so I guess I made some resolutions after all. Because I thought, you know, uh, my, my clothes are getting a little tight. And so, uh, you know, and I, and I didn't realize that on January 1st. I'd realized it earlier in the year, last year. All right, and uh, I thought, wow, I, I really need to do something about this. I found out going to the refrigerator and eating everything in it is not what you do to help that circumstance. So I thought, you know, I'm going to probably have to go on a diet here. But, you know, uh, Thanksgiving's coming, and, you know, you got to eat the turkey, and you got to eat the stuffing, and you don't want to offend anybody by not eating all the pie and cake and all that stuff. And, and, then, and then I thought, well, and, and you can't go on after Thanksgiving because you got Christmas coming. So you don't want to start a diet and then break it. I mean, you know, you don't want to do that. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll just wait till after Christmas. Well, then you got the new year. And I'm like, well, you know, visiting with friends and they'll be seized candy and things like that. So maybe I'll wait a little longer. But I wonder how many of us made a resolution to do something on January 1st. And like me, on January 14th, I haven't done any of it. I've broken all the rules of it. I continue to eat the seized candy that's there. I have to finish it up so I don't keep eating it. So now I'm in this circumstance, I'm going, you know, it may be a good thing if I, if I don't get started pretty soon, Easter's going to be here. <laughs> and, you know, you can't not eat the ham and potatoes and the beans. and you know. So anyway, so you get my point. So I, I was thinking that, and I thought, you know what? Along the way of typing these notes, I, I came across that. The world that we live in is a mess. The society that we live in is a disaster. It's growing more and more anti-Christian, anti-God, and don't even mention Jesus Christ's name. You can talk about all other religions, but the minute you bring Jesus up, you can't do that. And we've taken what is right and they've made it wrong. They've taken what is wrong and making it right. Wow. And God is either not believed in at all or he's irrelevant in our society today. And we can sit and say, oh, no, no, that's not true. If you're saying that, I don't know what you've been paying attention to. I am 60 years old. For you that are related to me that are older than me, that probably go, you probably just shivered when I said that. 
I'm 60 years old. I've lived just long enough to see how things have changed in this nation. How all the things I just talked about are so true. I, I've seen things that are now acceptable that I would never have imagined in my wildest thoughts would be the case. Just never would have imagined it. And some of you are my age or younger maybe. Some of you won't admit you're older than me, but some of you are older than me. So you've seen even more changes. What have you resolved to do about it? Now, in my 60 years, what I've figured out, one of the things that is an absolute that I've figured out, is that I can do absolutely nothing to change you. Nothing I can do to change you. That has to be you that makes the changes in you. And God has to make those changes in us. So for me to say, I'm going to resolve to change the world, seems like a foolish statement. Except, I'm going to read this passage that came off of here, off this booklet, the 714 Challenge. Um, it's based on 2 Chronicles 714. Let me read it to you. And um, this was not in my notes until this morning. So um, I resolved to be done in about 35 minutes in the first service, and it took me 50 minutes. So I'm thinking if I could resolve to do 45, it'll probably take me about 60. So stay with me. I won't go 60, I promise you. Here's what it says in 2 Chronicles. It says, if my people, my people, who are called by my name. Now let's stop for a second. Do you consider yourself one of his people? Do you consider yourself to be called by his name? All right. Here's what we have to do. If they will humble themselves and go on strike against the government. Humble themselves and join some group that's against the president. Hmm. Humble themselves and pray. And in that prayer, if they'll seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Now, I'm not going to look at any of you when I talk about your wicked ways. But I, I know that in my own life, there's some things I need to straighten out. Some things I need some work on. Huh. If I would pray, seek his face, turn from my wicked ways in humility. See, when you pray... It's humbling. It's humbling to pray. What you're saying to God when you pray is, I'm not big enough for this. I need some help. You ever have to ask for help? Kind of humbling. Unless you're just one of those bold people and never humbled by anything. Then look what happens. Then, this is God now, says, I will hear from heaven. You know, that's a promise. That's a promise there. 
It's not a, well, I might hear you. No, it's a definite thing he's saying. I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin. My people, if they'll humble themselves, if they'll pray, I'll hear them. And then look what happens. And I will heal their land. My goodness. You want to change your country? Pray. Humble yourself and pray. Now, the, it's interesting to me because the passage doesn't say, this is what it doesn't say. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll make them better. It doesn't say that. You're already going to be better if you do that. You've already corrected your relationship with him. What does he say he'll do? I'll heal their land. You want this United States to be better? Start praying. God says he'll heal the land we live in. If you start to pray, if you humble yourself and do this, the people around you will change. All right, that's not even in the passage that I'm speaking on today. That's just something I had to say. The passage I'm doing is 2 Timothy 1 through 7. Let's read it together. This, I believe, is the NIV version of it. I have the NASB, but I'll do the NIV. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth I am not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. This letter is written by the Apostle Paul, and he's writing it to Timothy. And Timothy is a guy that's been underneath Paul, being trained by Paul to be a pastor, to be a, a, a pastor of a church, and, and to take over ministry like that. And so he's being trained by an apostle. And so Paul is telling Timothy now, he's saying, listen, I can't go with you this time. I'm stuck here. Let me write you a letter on how the church and what the church should be doing, how it should be governed, what should it be doing. All right? So that's what's kind of going on here. And we get in and we start talking about this. And the first thing he tells Paul, Timothy, excuse me, I urge you. The term urge would, would naturally mean there's something urgent that needs to be done. I urge you, first of all, first of all, 
that petitions, prayers, intercession, things be made for all people. All right, listen. First of all, go down to the church and hear a bunch of preaching. Timothy, give them the five points of Calvin. That's the big thing. That's what they really need. That's the first thing you do. Sean read it earlier. My house shall be a house of prayer. My church will be a house of prayer. I urge you, first of all, pray. So there's a priority for prayer. And it is the number one priority. It's the first priority of the church, of the pastor, of all the individual members of the church. The number one priority in your life is to pray. Okay? Now, listen, nothing wrong with learning Scripture. That's obviously part of your Christian life. That's how you get to know God. But he didn't say learn that first. He said pray first. At least that's what I'm reading. Am I reading it wrong? Is that what it says? I believe that's what it says. It, first of all, it indicates, when he says first of all, it indicates that it's important. It's, it's the most important thing that you do at this time. Pray. Now, in your Christian life, as you mature, and you, when you first got saved, how much did you know about Jesus Christ? Not very much. You knew enough to know that you needed him as your Savior. But there's a lot of things you didn't know about it when you first got saved. But I'd say that when you first get saved, one of the first things we should teach you is how to pray, how to talk to God. Because now you have this access that you really didn't have before. So now you've got this ability to be able to talk to the Heavenly Father, the one that holds your breath in his hands. You get to talk to him now anytime you want. I don't need an appointment. I just got to say, Father, God, I'm humbling myself and coming to you and saying, I've been doing some things I shouldn't do, Lord. Please forgive me. I want to repent of those things. But I got some things I need to ask you for. And he said, what did he say in that first passage we read there in St. Croix? I'll hear you. Wow. I'll hear you. You know, you can write letters to the government all you want. They may not ever read them. Matter of fact, they probably won't read them. You might address it to the right person, but the right person ain't going to read it. They got some administration people that do that or a computer that does it or something. And typically, you're not going to get much of an answer. I can go to God right now, and he's going to hear me. I get to go right to him. I, and the intermediator between me and him is Christ himself. And then I got the Holy Spirit telling God what I really need. I'm trying to articulate it. Wow, I got all three of them working for me. Isn't that amazing? I thought of this, you know, we, if Deborah got up next week and said, hey, we're going to have a concert. And, um, and, and we're going to, at the end of the concert, we're going to go across the way and we're going to feed you. Now, if we just said we're going to have a concert, about 300 of you would show up. The minute we say we're going to feed you, the number goes up about 25%, 30%. Especially on a Sunday night when you didn't take anything out to eat anyway. Right? 
Let me ask you something. How many of you knew about the prayer? And, and listen, I'm not trying to make you guilty. I am not trying to be making anybody in the room guilty. I'm preaching to me right now. I got to do this. How many of you knew about prayer meeting on Wednesday night, last Wednesday? All right. Now we had, I, would, I didn't count them. We had 80 to 100 people show up for prayer. And let me tell you something. If you were here, you got to enjoy it. If you weren't here, you just missed out. Because it was a good time. It was a really good time on the Lord. Praying and talking to him about but it is amazing, isn't it? We do a concert and going to feed you. We get three, 400 of you show up. We announce a prayer meeting. That's a little bit different. But yet it's the first priority. It should be your first priority. Okay. Here's a, a quote that I saw when I was pulling all this together. And I don't know who made the quote. So I apologize to whoever authored this quote. Because I'm not citing who it is. Because I have no idea who it is. But he said this, and it just struck me. Much prayer, much power. No prayer, no power. Not, not no prayer, a little bit of power. No power. Why do you think the devil doesn't want you to pray? He knows the power source. He knows where you get power for the Christian life. How foolish would it be of you to know somebody that can help you out of a jam who says they will do it for you anytime? How foolish of it would be for you to go, I'm just going to go through this. I can do this one by myself. Really? Well, you're better than me then. I'm going to tell you what, if I get in a jam and somebody said they could help me out, guess who I'm calling? That person. This person is God who says, call on me. I will answer you. I will hear you. And I will heal your land. Much prayer, much power. No prayer, no power. Second part of this is there's a variety of prayer that goes forward in this passage. And it's, there are seven nouns in the Greek for the word prayer that identify prayer. And Paul here uses four of them. And those four go like this. They're entreaties or supplications. And then he says prayers, which would indicate that he's, it's a part of prayer petitions or intercessions, and then thanksgiving. So what are they? Entreaties or supplications. It has the idea of a, an offering or a, a request for a felt need. And I like to think of, of, a, of a petition or a supplication or an entreaty as me having a felt need. When I pray, I always start by asking God for the things that I believe I need in my life. That's where I start. Well, I start off by adoring him and just letting him know I, I understand whose presence I'm in. That's the prayers part of it. It's more of a, a reverential thing. And for some reason, 
Um, I, I can't explain it except just to tell you that it's just who I am. When I start praying to him, there's these little things in my eyes called tear ducts. And I, I can't help it. They just seem to open up. When I get in his presence, even by myself in my house just walking around praying, because I like to walk and pray, like a preach and walk, everybody, they'd give me a bad time up in the booth that they can't hardly follow me, so they just put a wide pan on me, and then that's it. But they had to put a wide pan because I haven't gone on that diet yet. So anyway, but, but when I pray, that's just what happens. It, it, just, it just does, and it, I, I have tried not to do it. But I always pray for myself first. And inside of that, there's some confession that goes on for myself. There's some things I need to straighten out in my life. So I start there. That's the pattern that Paul gives. Prayers is the, the commonest term for this activity. It is a, is a sacredness of prayer. And it's just what Ron had said earlier. It's just talking to God. But it's, when he says prayers here, he's saying being aware that you're talking to God. You're talking, you're talking to the, the one who holds your breath in his hands. So that, uh, that needs to happen. The petitions or intercessions um, is when we pray for one another. That's where um, we start to pray for each other. So I asked this question in the first service. I ask it to you. How many of you have ever prayed for something and you've prayed for it for so long you don't know what to even pray anymore? You just get to a point where you're going, I just don't have the words. Lord, here I am with the same request again. It's at that point I feel I need somebody to help me. I need another brother or sister that I can call on and say, I need you to intercede on my behalf. That's why we have this intercessory prayer. These people know that they can talk to God. I believe they know that. But they're like, I just want to have somebody else pray on behalf of me. Am I crazy for asking for this? No, you're not. Let's pray for you. So we intercede. And then, and this is so important in prayer, is thanksgiving. I cannot pray personally without some thanksgiving in there. It just has to be. Usually it happens up here when I'm adoring him. It happens early in my prayer. Because I start off with that adoration. You know, we use the, the, the acronym uh, ACTS, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. And, and that's how the Lord's Prayer went. Some have switched it around because they say you need to confess first. They call it cats instead of acts. Or, but you need to do those four parts of prayer. And so in Thanksgiving, I just say there's, in recent times in my prayers, I just get stuck on Thanksgiving. Um, how many of you, have something that you could thank him for right now. You, you could thank him for something right now. You, you all raised your hand. Everybody raise your hand on that one. You could thank him for something right now. Why don't you take like 30 seconds to do that? Do that right now. Thank him for whatever. Thank him. Go ahead. You can talk out loud. Thank him for something. Thank you for doing that. You think that he doesn't like to hear that? 
How many of you done something for somebody that, that put you out to do it and they didn't say thank you? Yeah, you don't have to raise your hand. It's happened to all of us. But I appreciate you raising your hand. I got a wife. Talking about my wife, she's not here. So my Aunt Carolyn's right there. She'll make sure I don't say anything really bad about my wife. She's my conscience in the room. My wife loves to do things for people. She loves to give gifts. And all she wants to hear is thank you. That's all she wants to hear. You don't have to do anything. No, don't, don't, no. Just say thank you. And what I found out, I learned this early. If I say thank you, there's more gifts coming. <laughs> huh? So if you're on Lynn's gift list, just make sure you say thank you. There'll be more lists. There'll be more things coming. I, I got so hung up on things. We, we had an elders meeting yesterday. We met with pastor. And by the way, um, our pastor has been really, really sick. And so don't stop. I mean, he's better than he was, but he's still not quite able. He, was, he wanted to come this morning and just felt so weak he couldn't get here. So continue to pray for our pastor, please, please. But we had an elders meeting yesterday, and uh, everybody was praying, and we're going around, and we're praying. And I, I started praying. I didn't ask for one thing. I just got so stuck on Thanksgiving. God, I want to thank you for what you've done for Valley. I want to thank you that you gave me a peace that surpasses all understanding when I had to bury my dad last month. I can't explain it except thank you, Lord. Thank you that he's now seeing you. The hope that he had is now reality. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for 46 years of supplying the needs of Valley Bible Church. People, I could start thanking him right now. You could come back next week and I'd be right here thanking him. Because there's so much to be thankful for. And I get caught up in that sometimes. And guess what happens? I forget about a lot of problems in my life. I just, they just kind of go away. When I find myself in his presence, I lose track of all the other things. Knowing that, why am I not in his presence more often? Got to humble myself. Got to take the time. Oh, Lord, I would pray with you this morning, but I just don't have time. Really? It's the first thing you're supposed to do. Paul is urging Timothy because he understands the battle of being a leader within the church. He understands the battle of being a Christian in a society like ours. Yeah, oh, he had a society like ours that he was in. Let me tell you, you think our leadership is bad, try having Nero as your leader and being a Christian. Because that's who he's writing to. Timothy's going to a church where Nero is their leader. Not the church leader, but their overall king. This madman is the leader. And guess what we say up here in the next one? The objects of prayer. 
What are the objects of prayer in this passage? That your prayers and supplications be made on behalf of all men, including Nero. And he's even going to address him specifically. He goes on and says, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Listen to this now. For kings, for government officials, I don't care how bad you think the president is, you pray for him. Where do I get permission to criticize him? Show me a passage, please. Come on, yell it out. Where's the passage where I get to criticize those that have been put in authority over me? Doesn't mean I have to do everything they say, but I certainly don't get to criticize them. Guess what we do? We criticize them. We talk about them. They got entire channels on TV that do nothing but that. They're making a living because you're watching them. And they got all them commercials, and you go out and buy the products that are supporting that kind of craziness. And then we wonder why our children that are growing up have no respect for officials. Are you kidding me? Because you have none. And you're teaching them not to have it. I'm supposed to pray for them. If I spend as much time praying for them as I do complaining about them, we probably have a change. Guess who put those people there? God put them right there. Our president is there not because you voted against him or for him. Because God determined he was going to be put there. And guess what? Give thanksgiving for it. In the passage, isn't it? Isn't that, isn't, that's the, the formula to getting to who we're praying for. So we've gone from the variety of prayers that we get to do to the objects of the prayers. Donald Trump is one of the objects. And I may not like him any more than you do, but I got to pray for him. So we pray for, first of all, all men, all of them, all of them. That includes all of them. It includes the guy that when you go down here to Rodeo Safeway and you're trying to walk in the store and you see him ahead of even getting there and you can tell he's homeless, he has no money, he hasn't bathed in months maybe, he has nothing and he's standing there and he's got a sign that says, hungry, feed me please. And you walk past him and think, I wish that guy would get a job and get a bath and get back into society. And you don't pray for him. He's a man. He's part of the all, and you should be praying for him. And heaven forbid you got a little extra money to help that guy out. God's put so much money in Americans' hands. It's incredible. And then remember the term urged. It's urgent. It's urgent to pray for all men. How many are perishing around us that we're not praying for? There's a lot perishing around me that I haven't prayed for. Can you join a prayer walk next Sunday morning at 8 o'clock and pray for Rodeo? Do you know anybody in Rodeo and Hercules that might need Jesus Christ in their life? Oh, I don't know, 8 o'clock in the morning, that's kind of early. I don't know, you know, it's kind of cold out there. 
Maybe I'll just stay home and pray. Between the sheets? So objects of prayer, all men, with special emphasis on kings and those who've been put in authority over you. Guess what? I have a little bit of a segue here. Hebrews 13, 17. Hebrews 13, 17. Submit and obey those who you have been put under their authority. Now, he's talking about elders in the church. I happen to be an elder. I like that passage. But you know why I'm an elder? Because he made me an elder. Not because I, now I had to desire the position, but I didn't desire it at one time. It's just that's what he did in me. And so now he says, submit and obey them. And we're back to here again. Pray for them. That's the first thing. You know what? Let me tell you something. If you pray for the person that's in authority over you, I mean truly enter in and pray for them with thanksgiving for who they are, I guarantee you your attitude about them will change. You'll have a lot less issue in submitting and obeying if you're praying for them. Because you know what happens when you pray? If I pray for David and he's an authority over me and I start praying for him, and let's say he's a rascal and he's not treating me right, but I start to pray for him. He's shaking his head like, no, that would never happen. But I know David. So anyway, so but let's say we do that. And I start praying for him. Will he change? No, not necessarily. He will eventually maybe. But guess what changes? I change. You change when you pray. Again, my wife is not here. So it's a great subject matter to bring up because she's not with me. But I think this is okay. And Carolyn, you watch me on this. My wife is never more beautiful, has never been more beautiful, and is never more beautiful to me than when I'm praying for her. And she's not in authority over me. Don't get into that submission thing. I'm supposed to submit to her too at times. Or submit to all people, right? We go into that whole relationship, but that just shows us our relationship. She's never more beautiful. She bothers me a lot less. I didn't say she quits bothering me. She bothers me a lot less when I'm praying for her. See, when you humble yourself and pray, you're admitting that you have no power over the circumstance that you're in. And then God does something in you when you pray. Now, I think that as a church, if we started to pray for our government and we started to pray for all men, what would happen? If you really start praying for your neighbor, I mean truly praying for him, what will happen with your relationship with that neighbor? Especially if you know they're not saved and you're praying, God, would you save this man? And inside of that, you're probably going to say, God, would you give me an opportunity to share Christ with him? Well, let me tell you something. Every time I have ever prayed and asked God to give me an opportunity to share Christ with somebody, that day it happens. God's like, I have been waiting for you to ask that one. Here he is. Boom. 
and boy, you do it. It just comes, it's almost like you've gone from a door being cracked open to it's wide open because you've prepared yourself for it through the first priority, prayer. The first priority, prayer. Then the result, look at the result of this prayer. Oh man, gotta hurry. So we pray on behalf of all men, kings, authorities, that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. The result of these prayers for the kings and authorities over you is that you get to live a quiet life. They're not hassling you, are they? Those officials aren't bothering us. They're bothering us a little more than they used to, but they're still not bothering us. We had a prayer time on Wednesday night, and guess what? There was no officials at the door that said we couldn't do that. We get to live a quiet life. That's the outward thing that we get to do when we pray for the authorities. We get this outward quietness and a peaceful kind of an out. But then, quiet, tranquil, or peaceful when you have peace, is that outward? That's inward. I have an inner peace when I pray. I get a quiet life when I pray. Godliness and dignity is also present. Interesting how that works. There's three inner things that happen to you and one outward. Those are the byproducts of praying if you don't have any peace in your life how can you not have peace when you have the Holy Spirit in your life you got Christ in you you got God the Father in you you got the Holy Spirit in you how do you have no peace okay I'm not going to look at anybody Reasons for prayer. This is going to be my last one. I'm not going to get through everything. Verses 3 and 4. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. What is good and acceptable? What is it, 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 another term for that is acceptable is it's pleasing to him. It pleases him. What pleases him? When we pray. When we come and make petitions and supplications and we give thanks and we ask and we intercede for one another. This pleases God. It's acceptable. It is good. Paul uses that term good quite a bit in the books that he writes. It's a key word to him. It just kind of means that, uh, in effect, when he says it's good, it means it's fair and it's like this beautiful thing. It is good. God says it's a beautiful thing when you pray like this. It's a good thing when you pray like this. And it's pleasing in my sight. When you pray like this, back to Revelation where John read earlier, it's a sweet incense that goes up before the Lord. Not a foul odor. An incense before the Lord. The saints' prayers. So it's good and acceptable. Who desires that all men be saved? 
all again. Not some, all men be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. True Christians, myself, hopefully you, pray. We understand our weakness. We understand we have no power without the power of prayer in our lives. So we make it a point to pray. We make it a, a priority. Our, our first priority is to pray. Now, I'm studying the Word of God quite a bit still. But my first priority should be to pray. I might become the most knowledgeable person there is about the Bible, but have nowhere to, no, no influence with anybody because I'm not praying. I'm not asking God to do anything in my life. I'm just learning about him. Well, I know all about him now. I know so much about him, I, I don't have to pray. Really? You don't know very much about him then. Because he wants to hear from you. And he wants people to be saved. Why would he put that here? There's some kind of tie between you praying and people getting saved. Everybody in this room who's placed faith in Christ, I almost guarantee you unequivocally, someone was praying for you. I'll bet you my Aunt Carolyn prayed for me when I was a young boy that God would get a hold of my life. I'll bet you my uncle did. I know my dad and mom did. I know my Aunt Hazel, rest her soul, prayed for me. I know my grandpa prayed for me. Did God answer those prayers? Absolutely he did. It pleased him to answer those prayers. So how can you expect your oikos those that you're in contact with on a daily basis or that you run into weekly, how are they going to get saved if you're not asking God to save them? Because if you ask God to save them, you'll start to witness to them. This works in conjunction. It builds on top of it. You can't keep your mouth shut when you're praying. And you can shut it in a second when you're not. You know why? you got no power. When I'm praying, I got power. When I'm not praying, I feel feeble. Guess why? Because I am feeble. I can't do it without his power. And if I don't ask him, how can I expect a result? He knows what I need. He knows what you need. Will you ask him? Make it your first priority this year to pray. For who? For all men. Back to this booklet. I have to stop because I said I wouldn't go more than an hour. This book, how can I help you become a prayer person? How can I help you to know him in this kind of a power way? You know what? I've been all over this countryside, and I've run into lots of people that have heard about Valley Bible Church. A lot of people from all over the place. They know about us. You know what they know? 
man, we've heard about Pastor Howard. That guy can preach. We've heard him on the radio. That man can preach. Like, praise God, we're glad you heard that. And we've heard about your worship. Oh, man, you guys rock. We love coming over and here. Man, we, we got, we've got people that show up here every now and then that go to other churches and say, we just come over every now and then just to get a little, a little uh, choir fix, as it were. But you know what I'd love to hear them say? I'd love to hear them say, you know what I heard about your church? You know what you guys are famous for? I heard that you guys pray. I heard about some crazy guy with a bunch of youth kids that was walking the streets praying. You know why? Because he knows the power of salvation is in you praying for people. So in this book, what we're going to do, we're going to help you out. We want you to start. You grab these books on the way out. If you leave without a book, shame on you. I don't care if it takes you 30 minutes to get one. You leave with a book. If not, I'm going to look you up. Or I'll have my bodyguard down here look you up. All right. So in the back of this, very, very back, every one of these has like a little journal page. What I want you to do, and you have to do this immediately, because if you don't, you won't. If you don't do this right away, you'll forget about it. I want you to write down four names. Four names of people that you want God to save. Could you do that? And then every day, every day starting tomorrow, I want you to go to that back page and pray for them. Can you do that? It's a pretty simple assignment. Because what you need to be about, your number one priority in life is to pray for people. Now, closely behind that is to share Christ, of course. But number one priority, the way I understand it, of the church is to pray. God moves when we pray. That's kind of how it works. So do that. And then I encourage you this. Please, every day, every day. I, I'm going to try and do this twice a day. I'm going to try to do it at 7.14 in the morning. See, 7.14 challenge. I'm going to try and pray for 14 minutes at 7.14 a.m. And then at 7.14 p.m., I'm going to put the warrior game on pause. And I'm going to pray another 14 minutes. I'm going to include my oikos. I'm going to include my government. I'm going to include the pastors of this church. And the church, you know, we're not a church all by ourselves, people. You do understand that, right? There's a universal church. You can pray for the church universally, too, and for other pastors. But you start doing this. If you, I'm going to tell you something. If you do this every day for 35 days, because that's what this will take, it'll set a pattern in you of being used to praying. Now, that's, this is kind of a, um, this is a boot camp prayer type thing, really. And usually when I teach a prayer class, I will tell people, look, don't, leave here and think you're going to go out and pray two hours a day now for seven days a week. It's probably not going to happen. But that's why we give you the booklet. It's the reminder for you. It helps you. We all need accountability. This is our little accountability partner that we're sending home with you. Still take one. Needs to go with you. All right? So that, but I usually tell people, if you would just, and that's going to be my last thing I'll say to you. If you would just take three days a week, start there. Pray three days a week. 
and just pray 15 minutes for three days a week. But do it consistently. If you do that, now if you do this, I want you to do it every day. But if you decide not to do the book, but you want to have some kind of prayer life, just listen to this. 15 minutes a day, three days a week. You pick the days, you pray 15 minutes a day. And I promise you, what you're going to find out is you need more time in prayer. Because if you'll be consistent and meet with the Father, he's going to do things in your life that you go, man, I, I'm not prepared. I've got to do more prayer. And you'll find out there's not enough time to pray for all the people that you love and care about if you only pray 15 minutes a day. But right now, if you're not doing that at all, 15 minutes is better than nothing. So start. Make it a priority in your life to pray every day first. Do it first. Okay? Now, I still want you to listen to Pastor Phil on the radio, and I still want you to get his blogs and all the stuff that we do, but you need to pray. Lord, we thank you today for your goodness to us. Thank you for this passage of Scripture where you so clearly identify through Paul in a letter to Timothy our responsibility to pray and make it a a uh, priority in our life and of first importance as it were I pray for this church that as we launch into this would you remind us every, every day every morning would you remind us that you're missing our time with us if we don't pray with you let this little booklet that we created be the thing that launches Valley into 2018 and makes us grow. Because if well, I understand this passage is if we do this, some people are going to get saved. That would mean a revival is going to take place. That would mean the church is going to get filled up with new converts. Lord, I want that so badly. And I believe the people in the room want that too. So would you... Would you just remind us this week to use the tool that's being placed in our hands that we might enter into a deeper relationship with you and that we might be empowered through prayer as uh, only prayer does. Thank you for this opportunity to speak this morning. Thank you for your word. Be with everyone that's uh, going to go home. Take them home safely. And uh, may they have a great week. And it's all because of your matchless son. And it's in his precious name that we pray, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.